Welcome to Diving Into Crypto. Diving Into Crypto. A weekly series where thought leaders share insights, strategies, and insider stories about all things crypto and Web3. Brought to you by Adlunum. Okay, let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Diving Into Crypto. Uh, this is your host, Token J. Um, uh, I'm co-founder at Adlutum. Adlutum is an engaged to earn uh, NFT-based um, uh, launchpad. Um, today we have some really, really interesting guests for you, but we'll jump into that in a minute. Uh, just some basic um, announcements, the views, uh, on the on, you know, on the the program of that of the speaker, and I meant for educational purposes only. Um, uh, no financial advice is on this show, uh, and feel free to use the reaction buttons if you hear gems from our speakers. At the end of the program, we open up the room to Q and A for the from the audience, um, and your questions can be sent across to our Twitter account at Adlinum Inc. So today we have our guests, uh, Winston and Wayne, CEO and co-founders of Xrex, uh, a brilliant, brilliant exchange uh, that I was part of for a while and I really love. And also Krish, who is also part of that exchange and is also uh, the co-founder of A2Z Crypto. So let's go around the room and maybe uh, jump with, start with some introductions. Winston, uh, would you like to get started? Hi everyone. Um, my name is Winston. I'm the co-founder and the CEO of Xrex. It's really nice to meet you guys. Awesome. And Wayne. Hey, hey. Thanks everyone for uh, having us, Jason. Thanks a lot. Thank you for attending, Wayne. Uh, both you and Winston have been inspiring to me and have been massively, massively. Uh, uh, important to kind of the way I view things both in technology and just in general. So very, very, very glad to have you here. Uh, and, and Krish, uh, you too. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a while. It's great to see you here. And yeah, would you like to say a couple words? Introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Krishnendu Chatterjee. I have been with Xrex for almost two and a half years. And uh, right now I'm starting something which is called a to z crypto and it's mostly in the advisory and education space we also have plans to build uh, some cool app uh, for the indian market but that's still ongoing and uh, thank you jason and everyone for having me here let's roll that's awesome awesome okay well let's start with um you know uh i, I could i could talk about x-rex for sure uh, but I think, you know, the best person to maybe uh, say a few words about that, I think, Wade, would be you, Wade. Uh, maybe if you can, you know, tell everybody a bit about Xrex and kind of uh, what Xrex's focus is. I almost said our focus there for a second. But yeah, what Xrex's focus is and uh, what, what, uh, what, what, your, what, uh, what the mission is. Yeah, for sure. Xrex was started in 2018, so we're about five years old. We are a financial institution dedicated to... Uh, servicing individuals and small medium businesses in emerging markets such as India or doing business with emerging markets. Uh, we are a fully licensed and regulated payment institution as well as a crypto exchange. Uh, we are 
directly invested by the Taiwanese government. They have a board seat, and the majority of our investors are publicly listed uh, banks, such as SBI, which is a part of SoftBank, and also CDIB, which is uh, kind of Taiwan's version of SBI, Taiwan's largest banking group. Um, at the same time, uh, Aditya, Andrew, Winston, uh, myself, and Sun uh, co-founded the DeFi protocol and nonprofit foundation, Unitas Foundation, to define a new category of stablecoins called unitized stablecoins that, for example, mints out tokens pegged one-to-one -one in value to the rupee while over exogenously over-reserved 130% to 200% with U.S. dollar stablecoins such as USDT and USDC. That's great, Wayne. I was actually, you know, I was going to jump into Unitas as well because I also definitely curious about that. Um, uh, also, sort of, I, I guess maybe Winston, you can you you can maybe jump in a bit about uh, first, maybe talk about uh, you know sort of how you you sort of got involved with uh, like founding XRX and like uh, what what got you into like crypto. I know you started the first exchange in Taiwan. Uh, but then also like sort of maybe you can talk about Unitas Foundation and kind of how you came to creating this like like very novel stable coin and kind of what makes it different from other stable coins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. So um, actually, I was growing up in India, so I'm a Taiwanese. But since, I've, since 15 years, uh, since 1995, I was in India, studying India, graduated from India University. Then back to Taiwan, then I started my business. Um, cross-border business, I do it. I'm the manufacturer of the memory products, which my major market was in India. And so throughout my career path in the hardware sectors, I have always found that uh, there are problems in the cross-border payments for small and medium business. Meaning that um, a lot of my, my clients in India or in Africa, they are finding a problem. They are finding problem to, to pay me with the US dollar because the countries they're having is uh, because the, the usually these emerging countries are facing a trade deficit, meaning that they are importing a lot more than exporting. So the uh, ability of earning dollars is a lot less. So for instance, in India, the Reserve Bank of India, even though it's one, it's like a fourth or fifth, the largest like a, a forex holder, the forex reserve holder in the whole world. But then because the capability of earning dollars isn't that strong yet, the trade deficit is too heavy. That is why the Reserve Bank of India and the dollar reserve out there, the first primary target, the mission is to protect rupees against to the foreign currencies for penetration. So um, Indian government is openly just announcing that they are able to provide only 13% of the market liquidity, the daily forex needs. So of course, if you are very, very large companies like uh, Tata, Reliance, you're of course going to get that 13%, you're within the 13%. Other than that, if you are building a factory, okay, you create an employment rate and you might be able to export in future and earning a dollar back, then yes, the Reserve Bank of India is going to like help you to having this access to the dollar. Other than that, actually it's very difficult. It's very, not to mention that individually also it's not easy to holding a US dollar account. So a lot of my, my, my clients, 
they often have to pay me through the third, con the third country, okay, through the third party payments. Meaning that uh, maybe some Indian companies are having branch office or some of their merchants are having these OBU accounts in Hong Kong, Singapore, or Dubai. Okay, so they often they will have to purchase the offshore dollar, meaning the dollar is not belong to the Bank of India, it's belong to Hong Kong, it's belong to Singapore. So they're paying rupees out there, okay, and requesting those um, uh, offshore companies to pay on behalf of them to me. Then it just some, somehow confuses me. Why is a normal trading, a normal like international trading uh, behavior become so difficult? So I quickly realized like uh, the world is not just, because in Taiwan, we never had that issue. We can just buy any amount of dollar, okay, send it to anywhere. Okay, so, so yeah, slowly, slowly, we just get used to it. We just get used to it. And of course, that do create a lot of problem. Like for instance, sometimes I may ship into an Indian company, but it's because it's paying through a third party. My account auditor will say, I need to make a proof. Like I'm really shipping to an a, a Indian company. And that is the agent that's paying, that's, that's paying on behalf of him. And that really, really create, like a, create a lot of trouble for a lot of companies in accounting sense or the extra energy or the resources we have to maintain accounts, okay, or showing evidence or putting like a, um, these cash flow tracks, right? So um, it's about 2013, I encountered the Bitcoin. Okay, one of my employee was mining Okay, it was money bitcoins like in my in office. Then he that was the first time I heard something like the bitcoins. Of course, like uh, through all the research, I quickly noticed it's much more like a digital gold. Okay, and it could potentially become a very good cross border settlement mechanism between two different currencies. Okay, and it's borderless. That's all. That's uh, how I took my path like into this journey. Okay, then yeah, I did start the first uh, crypto exchange in Taiwan. But very quickly, I was hacked. Like I lost about 800 Bitcoins. But then, of course, I pay off all my users in two days. And that's also the time I met Wayne. And Wayne, he is a, a global cybersecurity expert. So I brought my code to Wayne and asked him, how can I secure my code? With Wayne's advice, okay, he advised me to never to start again because I'm not a tech guy. So it'd be too risky for me to even restart again. Since then, I become um, an investor in many of the startups. I also engaged in many of the mining like activities. Ethereum was, of course, like a, on a trend at the time. So I was, I guess, selling a lot of these um, uh, graphic cards. Yeah, until uh, five years back, I went back to Taiwan from Silicon Valley. Then he, I had this very good opportunity, and thanks to when that he invited me to co-found X-Rex together. Okay, and we set the goal like in the beginning, we are going to solve the real world like a problem. Okay, not, not like a, um, we are not, not interested in the crypto hypes. Okay, we understand blockchain is a technology and it's going to change the world of the finance in a big way. And this is where we took our path and we believe that uh, X-Rays is we complete this mission. Yeah, that's uh, in short about it. Thank you. Uh, so, so would you say then that sort of Unitas is sort of an extension of this goal and this core process and sort of how does it do that? Like how does it right. deal with sort of the mission of X-Rex? All right. So um, if you really, really think about currency, okay, the function of the currency is majorly divided into three functions. One is the store of value. Another one is the medium of exchange and unit of accounts. Okay. So um, just to cut the long story short, okay, Unitas serve solely 
only for unit that counts. What is unit that counts? For instance, centimeter, kilometer, liter, these are all the units. Unit itself does not have any value, but any value we need unit to describe. Okay, so within unit has, uh, unit has this framework. The store value is, is, store value is dollar and the US treasury bill itself. Why? Because we actually using USDT and USDC as a medium of exchange. And behind USDT and USDC is US dollar and US, uh, US treasuries, the T-bills. Right, so what we, what we did is that we just divide the US dollar's value into the local emerging currencies of one unit. So any person is holding one, uh, this one, uh, for rupees, rupees that unit, uh, unitized stable coin, we call it USD891. Why is it 91? Because the country code of, uh, of India is 91. If it's for Taiwan, it would be USD886 because the country code of Taiwan is 886. So a user is hold, holding one USD91. It means that he's holding one upon 80 of US dollar value. Okay, why is it 80? Because the exchange rate about today is about 80, right? So, so we, we, we uh, clearly mentioned that it's a USD91, USD to tell everyone, regulator users, like uh, what you are using is actually a dollar, but we divide the dollar into one rupees value. So that creates a different category of a stable coin, which the value itself is dollar actually, is different from rupee, okay? But the value is exactly in one rupee. So that's what we have done. So what we call it a unit of account, yeah. So, so I wanna um, also talk about Let's, uh, the, the past two years, the story of stablecoins. Um, we all saw USDC had to peg for a few days when um, three of the six US banks that they were using at the time um, went under, right? And that's Silvergate Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank. Um, but fortunately, at the time, Circle only had about 20, 23% of their reserve held with commercial banks. The other 75 to 78% of their reserves were in short-term U.S. Treasury bills. This was not the case two years ago. Two years ago, USDC and USDT, Tether and Circle, had the majority of their reserves um, with commercial banks. And so when the U.S. President's Special Working Group on Financial Markets, which was led by the U.S. Treasury and participated by the FDIC and the OCC, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, together jointly published the Stablecoins report in December 2021, they put a lot of pressure. They started to put a lot of pressure to have both Circle and Tether move away from commercial banks into holding short-term treasuries. And um, in the public hearings at both the House and the Senate, which was testi uh, testified by Ms. Liang, deputy of the U.S. Treasury, she repeatedly clarified that commercial bank deposits are not high quality reserve assets because commercial banks are 
very susceptible, uh, very vulnerable to bank runs, in especially during a financial crisis, right? So, what are the higher quality assets? Those would be short-term treasury bills or government or prime money market funds. And so, fast forward today, because of regulators' pressure, I felt that it was very fortunate that over a period of two years that Circle and Tether had moved the majority of their reserve out of commercial banks and into directly holding U.S. treasuries. And uh, with Circle, it's BlackRock that's helping them to manage their treasury holdings as well as execute their repo. So essentially, BlackRock has been running a money market fund uh, for Circle, proprietary money market fund servicing only Circle. And so this infrastructure that we have today is acting as the bottom layer, the first role of money, the store of value layer. And that is 80% short-term treasuries, averaging 30 to 40 days, and 20% uh, commercial bank deposits. And the U.S. Treasury is further applying pressure, um, asking for both Tether and Circle to use only triple Fitch, rating, Fitch rated triple A banks. Right. So this is currently for the crypto industry. This is the store of value layer. Commercial bank deposits, hopefully most, uh, mostly triple A banks and also short term U.S. Treasury bills. On top of that, we have tokens. USDT and USDC servicing as the medium exchange layer, right? So um, this medium exchange layer has, has made it extremely convenient for us both in CFI and DeFi to move value around, to trade value, swap, everything. So it is a super efficient and transparent uh, medium exchange layer. But... We need, especially with emerging markets, local currency unit of accounts. Because in India, when we're doing a lot of cross-border trade, often we are um, using the rupees unit of account. And in Argentina, we're using pesos. In Turkey, we're using lira, right? So this unit of account layer is now provided by Unitas um, in form of unitized stablecoins, which is a new category of stablecoins only servicing, only serving as the unit of account layer. It is, they're not standalone stablecoins because they're exogenously over-reserved with USDT or USDC. Uh, and so underlying Unitas is the existing medium of change, USDC and USDT, and underlying that is commercial bank deposits and treasury bills. Uh, Wayne, I remember recently, I mean, I don't know if it, you can call it recent, but I know several months ago you had done a deep dive into USDT, uh, sort of the assets that backed USDT, and I think you said that was over-collateralized. Is that, do you know if that's still true, and, and what are your thoughts on that, sort of? Yeah, um, so... 
USD uh, Tether publishes their attestation reports um, mostly every quarter. Circle and Paxos does it uh, every two weeks. Um, and these reports today show a lot of details. Uh, they show the banks holding um, liquidity. They also show the, so the names of banks, and they also show uh, the this I don't know what, how do you call it kind of like serial numbers of every single treasury bill held by these stablecoin issuers. So I feel that uh, these three vendors uh, issuers are, are are all doing pretty good. Awesome. And one so, thing I would like so, to add here. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's very important as well that uh, last year, around April, USDT mentioned in its filings that they hold Chinese commercial papers or non-US bonds. But then within three months, uh, they actually sold off everything and they only held US bonds. So, you know, it's a kind of regulations which forcing circle to kind of toe the line before they actually held non-US bonds as well. Interesting. Uh, but Chris, so since, since, since you're here, yeah, we'd love to sort of uh, get your thoughts on kind of how you just sort of got introduced to XRX and sort of uh, what your concept is for A to Z crypto and uh, sort of what your, uh, the, the, the direction with which you approach crypto and, and what your overall thought is of Web3. Uh, okay, so I'll start with my overall thought of crypto. So I think crypto is now a well-established asset class and everybody should invest something, uh, maybe, you know, 2%, 3%, of their total investment into crypto because this has the potential to give them asymmetrical results. So uh, while I was working in XRX, I was also, uh, you know, teaching people how to start investing in crypto, how to basically put all put not put all your assets in one exchange but you know put your assets in different exchange use one for spot use one for leverage trading uh, use one for yields or even go further and you know use the non-custodial wallets like metamax and uh, solana wallets phantom etc for staking on chain so i was taking these people through the whole cycle of on and off ram kyc custodial wallets non-custodial wallets and uh, one thing I quickly realized was the counterparty risk. So basically, most exchanges uh, have this risk whenever they are, you know, doing market making and uh, they are rebalancing their treasuries, etc. So I started looking for uh, things which probably being working in an exchange helped me look into it. So we were very lucky that we didn't suffer due to any of Luna crashing, FTX crashing, Celsius crashing, although we already had discussions with a few of them for various reasons, but we didn't partner with most and we didn't suffer. So these are the same things that I teach my, uh, you know, uh, friends and whoever I'm giving knowledge to, imparting knowledge to that. These are the things you should do. So with this concept, it came into my, uh, you know, mind that, Hey, I think this is helping a lot of people. I have already onboarded 500 plus people into XRX. Why not try doing full time, right? And uh, with the blessings of XRX and with my uh, friends, uh, I started doing it uh, like on a full time basis. I think for the last couple of months, and 
basically onboarding people very newbies who have financial knowledge but they really lack the crypto knowledge to take them through the whole space so this is where i come in in a to z crypto and uh, i'm now traveling frequently between india and taipei and uh, moving back to india again in may and uh, then starting uh, some sort of collaborations with local schools uh, who are teaching stock trading and who are teaching people about investing to go and have sessions with them so i think uh, education is one way where i can really uh, you know put myself in their shoes and try to explain to them why crypto is not gambling anymore so this is what i am trying to do hey you krish know, a lot of our friends uh, moved out of india um to dubai and singapore why are you moving into india now um i think a lot of our friends are moving out of india because uh, a lot of our friends were very big on the spotlight and uh, they were promoting a lot of stuff so my uh, idea is i recently started my own podcast uh, uh, with a to z crypto and uh, it's in hindi uh, and i want to do it in a manner wherein i just roll up the weekly roll ups and uh, try to explain what's happening in the market based on macro based on trading so i feel education is something which should not be biased but most of the you know influencers in india are kind of biased uh, and i i cannot really blame them as well because in india you don't have sponsorships like you can get for a western media like bankless or empire wherein they don't need to do you know promote uh, exchanges or promote uh, projects which are kind of in the gray area and don't really understand it so i feel this is where i can contribute myself and since i am already in crypto and there's no way i'm going to go back from here and most of the people are leaving india because of whatever tax regulations and traders are leaving which i understand because the 30% capital gains tax plus the 1% tds on uh, trading each time is just not viable for professional traders but then there is still a very huge scope for people who have never invested in crypto and according to statistics indian population uh is uh like the average age of indian investors is like uh, 26 in the crypto space and they only invest like 50000 50000 inr which is like uh, $700 but if you consider the next layer which is like in the age range of 30 to 45 this is where the most of the investors are investing for you know their retirement and this is where i want to help them use crypto as a way to maximize their returns without you know putting a lot of risk on the downside so i feel education is something and investment is something which should be there and should be available and uh, this is why i'm moving back to india to try and grow uh, and see if investing is something which people can still do in this market because i feel it's something which people can still do in this market because when you're investing you're investing Uh, with a you know horizon of four five years maybe in stocks is seven to twelve years so investing is something which is still there no matter whatever is happening so that's my motivation to go back to India. So Krish, uh, you know you mentioned sort of and you know it's funny because a lot of what you said sort of talked about you know investing safely and things like that and I think you know in that regard it sort of comes brings up the topic of sort of FTX and. and uh sort of exchanges uh and and how they how they handle funds and all and i think you know win uh, win i think i would love to get your perspective and maybe have have you share your perspective with sort of on you know exchanges and 
you know, funds deposited in exchanges and what, what is the sort of correct custody of that and uh, whether, whether you know, that, that exchange should feel free to, let's say, invest those funds in uh, some sort of hedge fund, for example, uh, like FDX did with Alameda Research. Curious what your thoughts are. I mean, I know we've spoken about this before, but I think it would certainly be interesting to get your perspective. Uh, sure, sure. Thank you, Jason. Hey, Winston, how do you pick a safe exchange? Um, <laughs> okay, it's a really, really long, long story, but uh, I would like to remind everybody one thing. Exchange is the marketplace. Okay, so before before you uh, before crypto, how you define a good marketplace or good exchange? Say, for instance, you're trading stock, you're trading Forex. You don't define whether this exchange is safe or not safe. That's not a priority. Why? Because in the traditional finance, those risks are already segregated systematically. Okay, you do not allow the law enforcement or the regulation framework will not allow a, a marketplace to play as a god. Whole users custody, market making themselves, okay, doing everything. Okay, there will be separate entity responsible for separate things. And there's a, like this insurance, okay, there's lots and lots of things to segregate all different kinds of layer, lay, uh, different layer of the risk to make it like a um, stable. So solely exchange function, how you define good exchange is actually the efficiency, the service, or maybe the fees also. So it is only in crypto, only in crypto, like before we even like uh, uh, trying to see if this exchange is uh, providing good efficiency or not, the trading efficiency or not. We need to worry about like whether this exchange will go bankrupted or not. So I think this is very, very wrong. Very, very wrong. And I think this is something that we, all people was running the exchange before this one uh, regulate, uh, reg, uh, reg, 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 regulation framework is ready. Okay, we just have to put effort, like a lot of effort. And that is what X-rays in the next one year, we're going to devote a lot, a lot of our resources in doing so. Why? Because it is only us, we know how an exchange weighs a loophole. We know everything, okay? We know what kind of technology or what kind of constraint restrictions, okay? We can actually fill that gap and to tell regulator like we are ready. We are ready to work with the regulator. So, so I think uh, how to define a good exchange, to me, still, still, we have to still look into the fact that exchange is a marketplace, okay? A good exchange is the exchange where the exchange can provide you um, the good like uh, trading efficiencies, market efficiencies, okay? Whereas the security, that's a fundamental, that's really the fundamental, but sadly, people are spending most of the time worrying about security, safety of the exchange rather than the efficiency yeah very very well but uh yes but uh winston but uh it is it's it's really extremely difficult to get safety and security right when you're an exchange operator uh and we saw so many exchanges go down including including ftx right so so um let's use xrx our own exchange as an example um so i have always been a cybersecurity guy for maybe uh, 18 years. Uh, I, I, I'm also a tech guy. I was really good at programming um, when I was in elementary school. I started to reverse engineer viruses, um, I think, in seventh grade, eighth grade. Uh, and um, I studied computer science until I finished my PhD in cybersecurity. 
And then in 2006, uh, we started our first company, a cybersecurity company, Amorize. We were selling our products mostly to U.S. enterprises. Um, and uh, Sun, uh, Sunsec, uh, you can see him. Uh, he was uh, working uh, very closely with us as a lead uh, pen tester and, uh, uh, you know, uh, our, our head of cybersecurity. Uh, and we offered, we started uh, to offer vulnerability detection services or vulnerability scanner, static analysis to find vulnerabilities inside source code. We also provided pen testing. So that was our background, and we've been doing that since 2006, right? So us starting Exchange, of course, yeah, we can get cybersecurity pretty right um, because we're le we're really uh, seasoned uh, industry practitioners in cybersecurity. But then there's a whole spectrum of additional risk that we must address, right? So recently, um, we, we open-sourced our implementation of our Merkle tree, which is only one component of our ambitious endeavor to develop a auditing framework to, for external and internal auditors to check whether our uh, custodial assets matches our custodial liabilities, right? Whether if, um, if uh, our users total um, have, let's say, 10,000 uh, 10, Bitcoins with us, do we actually have 10,000 Bitcoins and Ethereum and this and that, right? And it's extremely difficult framework. An exchange is extremely difficult to audit. And that is why today, I don't know, like probably, you know, one hand less than five exchanges worldwide have been audited, properly audited by reputable auditors. Through this endeavor, uh, finally, we convinced the network firm, which is a spinoff of Armenino uh, in New York City, to be our auditor. But still, every audit would require us to completely shut down the exchange because we need to close every the liabilities and the assets that we have. So think about all your longs and shorts. Everything needs to be closed. Uh, but if you don't do that, you, it's impossible to take a snapshot of your liabilities versus assets and, and fully understand whether you are sufficient, sufficiently reserved or not, right? Now, if we cannot properly audit an exchange, it's extremely difficult for regulators to be willing to issue um, licenses or to design specialized licenses so that they can properly regulate this industry. And if regulators cannot do this, then we don't have insurance companies that would be willing to insure exchanges. And plus, we do not have any dealers or lenders of last resort, right? Because as we saw, Silvergate Signature and Silicon Valley Bank, they went down, but FDIC immediately came out, right, with the Fed with the U.S. Treasury to say, all right, okay, look, we're going to backstop this. We're going to make all the depositors full, uh, whole, right? 
we can't we don't have any of these mechanisms plus every exchange we have to counter hedge our risk and so we need to work with other larger exchanges and liquidity providers so that we can hedge our risk but no exchange we don't know exchanges are safe maybe none maybe no exchange is safe so um it remains a a a really difficult challenge in my opinion in my opinion so you're basically having to resort to sort of a patchwork of multiple different exchanges to sort of diversify risk to sort of minimize you know any potential fallout from any one particular thing going down yeah so yes Winston so in, the, in, in this respect if you really want me to define the good exchange okay other than the market average part by the next one year I will say an exchange who's putting continuous effort okay now to gain user trust but to let user verify yourself okay there are technology existing such as Merkle tree but how many exchanges is willing to do so you're naked you're totally naked Okay, and you're not free anymore. There's so much constraint if you open your, up your market tree in that complete way, like what Xtrace is doing now, right? So I think the next, at least for the next one year, okay, a good exchange, we put like effort in here, not like a continuously maybe buying advertisements, okay, like a, doing a lot of like a fancy things just to buy the belief or the wrong belief for the market. Right, like a sponsor, um, a big event. Yeah, yeah, when? Uh, yeah, I'd just like to say that um, we checked out a lot of Merkle tree implementations and a lot of proof of solvency, proof of sufficiency, proof of reserves, reports published by major exchanges. I'd say 95% of these audit frameworks are extremely misleading. Why? Because if you look, most of them mark to market their assets and their liabilities. What does this mean? It means that, yes, they do a Merkle tree, and then ultimately they tell you, hey, look, we have liabilities total in U.S. dollar value this much, $1 billion. And hey, and we have reserves total in U.S. dollar value today over $1 billion. So we are sufficiently reserved or we're solvent or whatever right but but that's exactly how terra luna blew up how ftx blew up how silvergate signature and silicon valley bank all blew up right it's when you mark to market that's where the nuance is right so if you're if you have a lot of ftt or luna right in your reserve and you mark to market and you mark to market at what at how much discount oh no discount right mark to market at 100 percent today's market rate but these tokens have very shallow liquidity and as soon as you sell a little bit the crash price is going to crash 90 percent and you lose a big part a big part of your reserves value so marking to market is extremely dangerous um, so at Xtrax, what we do is we don't mark to market any asset. We don't count value, right? If totally we owe our users 10,000 BTC, well, we better have 10,000 BTC. We don't care how, how valuable these BTC are. What's the price of BTC today, right? Uh, if we, you know, um, and so for Ethereum, for XRP, for every single asset, 
under the Xtrax audit framework, we use an inventory approach, right? If we have how if users, um, because it's a consignment relationship, right? Users give us a hundred chairs, put it in our warehouse, consign to us to sell these chairs for you. We're just gonna make sure that we have these a hundred chairs inside our warehouse. We're not gonna market mark to market and say, well, these we we we've, we've temporarily sold these chairs or exchanged these chairs to tables, but the value is sufficient because that is extremely risky. But that is what most exchanges are doing today. Apart from that, I will uh, invite everyone to go and check any exchange that has already uh, this one uh, published in Marco Tree. What I have been showing is like, uh, oh, I have 10,000 BDC. I have 20,000, 100,000 Ethereum. So what? What does that mean? You're just showing like how much like a uh, uh, asset you have under the the reserve, but how much are you owing to the customers? Yeah, you may be showing that you have one hundred thousand BDCs, but who knows? Actually, users asset under your custody is two hundred thousand, right? That's one missing leg, and that's a common sense, right? So it's just one side doesn't prove anything, and that's actually misleading the market. Hey, we have a market tree, we are transparent. No, you are not transparent. Yeah, that's totally oh. misleading, and that's and then, something right. that we are. So, so let's say, let's say Winston, what Winston said is, yeah, um, you have Mercury, but you're doing it on the reserve, not on your liabilities, right? So let's say, right. okay, you count your liabilities using a Mercury, but then you create just one single fake account. Let's say you're $200 million short, okay? 200 million USDT short. You create one fake account with a balance of negative, uh, you know, uh, 200 million USDT. That's going to immediately offset your liability is going to deduct 20 million from your USDT liability. And you say, oh, look, we're sufficient, right? So there's so many ways you can cheat with a oh, Merkle tree. And that's why you need external auditors as well. But by the way, way is, just sorry, Chris, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So there's another way which some exchanges do. They take loan from other exchanges before they do an audit. So I think a lot of people yeah, here so, would be aware of some exchange by mistakenly, yeah, mistakenly. So crypto.com mistakenly sent, you know, 400k uh, worth of Ethereum to Gate.io, and the day their, uh, you know, whole audit was completed, million I think. Uh, okay, 400,000. Oh yeah, 400 million. Sorry, yeah, 400 way million. Yeah, USDT worth of Ethereum at that point, and the day their audit got completed, they got it back. So that's one thing. That the other problem. Joke. Krish. That was an interesting <laughs> that's accounting mistake. Yeah, I mean, yeah, $400 million. Dollars. Sure, it can happen, but that's a huge mistake, right? Like in, okay, in crypto okay. exchange, generally, there are a lot of ways uh, money moves and every exchange has their own things in place. So there's no absolutely no way that uh, an amount like that can be withdrawn without interventions from the very high level. And right. the second thing is a lot of these exchanges they have counterparty risk. Mean, meaning to say like, they say, okay, fine. We have an earned product and this earned product, uh, this much users have deposited their money. And this money we have kept in another exchange. But they don't show that sometimes. And sometimes people do show that. So that's also a huge risk which people do not disclose if people have earned or yield this kind of product and how they are generating the yield or how they are putting the earned product. Maybe they are not really putting this on-chain staking, maybe they are just 
using this as proprietary trading, right? So these are the things which people should realize that, okay, how am I getting 20% yield when it's nearly impossible to get 6-7% yield in the standard market conditions? So if something is really too good to be true, definitely do your due diligence before aping in. Yeah, you know, uh, since we're talking about like what makes a good exchange, I think one thing that makes a good exchange is like innovation. I think there's not a lot of innovation that we see from a lot of exchanges. And so to that end, you know, I'm an XTRX user. I've been an XTRX user for years now. I love I love the app. Uh, and so I just wanted to kind of maybe touch upon two features uh, that uh, kind of one that is especially dear to me, the, the my exchange or not my circle feature. Uh, kind of wanted to maybe uh, talk to you guys about what was next about that. Uh, and also this new grid trading feature. Maybe uh, somebody can uh, from X-Rex can sort of uh, shed some light on both th- both those two features and kind of what's next for them and and, uh, and, and where we're going with that. Chris? <laughs> yeah, sure. I can I can talk about uh, the my exchange feature first and I think grid you can take over. So uh, so my exchange feature was basically launched uh, in 2020 uh, when we uh, launched the app and uh, it was kind of a Shopify model wherein if you are somebody like Jason who has a lot of pull, he is a legit person and Jason is inviting his friends and family to you know come in and start trading. And uh, they believe on Jason, so Jason is able to bring people in. So basically, it's Jason's branding, but then the app itself was white labeled. So that was my exchange. And later on, we found out there are very few people like Jason who can actually bring in people because most of the time people are very careful with their money as they should be. So later on, we came up with this a little bit different and we made it kind of an Amazon model where in Amazon, everything is Amazon. You are just a seller. So everybody can trust Amazon to, you know, make the right goods, reach the right spot. And whoever is doing the business, they get paid on time. So everything is trusting Amazon to do it. So that's how right now the, you know, groups uh, or circles, as we call it, uh, is there right now. Uh, So, for example, Jason now can invite anybody in and they don't have to trust Jason. They can just trust the app Xtrex. They can Google online. They can find what is Xtrex. And what does benefit Jason get is whenever people are trading, it's like a social trading platform. So everybody's trading fee is discounted. And to the point that everybody's enjoying the same trading discount. And this is where it gets interesting is we found that a lot of people are able to really onboard users and try this out. Similarly, there are other features in in it wherein if people are staking money, uh, say USDT, and uh, they get 2 3 4%, whatever is the APY at that point of time, the uh, exchange platform, which is XREX, they are taking a certain fee out of it, which is uh, on the platform. That is 15% of whatever profits we are giving you. So now, uh, whenever somebody is inviting others to stake in, instead of this 15% going into XREX's pockets, we are actually sharing it with the Uh, my exchange owner. So this is kind of a passive income. And why is this important? Because most of the time, uh, people do not have a way to monetize their knowledge, monetize their idea. And this gives them some sort of satisfaction that, hey, I am teaching people and I am, 
you know helping others to come on board it but if they have a lot of money uh, i'm not uh, they can just invest and i don't get anything out of it but now here if they invest or if they trade i also get to be a part of the whole journey so that's my exchange and which has later rebranded to uh, groups uh, clubs as we call it uh, in this space and we have also some other products which is the pipeline i think for that i will let winston talk more uh, on this yeah and just and, and just to to jump in very very quickly uh, the token j exchange uh, circle on xrex uh, on average uh, we have something like 750k uh, of of trading i think on a monthly basis which means like uh, the the fee is down to i think level 9 or something it's like it's really low. Zero point zero nine percent, roughly. Yeah. So, so let me let me know, guys. I'll send you guys a date where you can join my circle. But yeah, Winston, let's let let's uh, let's jump into grid grid trading. Okay. So. Uh... Okay. So. Uh, Winston, um, yeah. Hey, Winston. Uh, feel free to come back anytime. Uh, so I'll. I'll uh, I'll talk about uh, just one. Uh, feel very proud of the feature. It's our short feature. Um, we really created a different short experience for people who are very new to crypto. Um, short, as you know, is a type of margin trading uh, uh, and it involves contracts too. So you can easily lose a lot of money um, if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, but our short allows you to trade, allows you to short based on a simple spot trading experience and there is no leverage, uh, meaning that you can only do 1x short. Uh, we may open it up in the future, but for now, uh, we really want everybody, our user base, to be um, um, really safe and learning about in a bear market how you yeah. can still um, make money through very simple and safe shorts. Okay, sorry, I lose my voice. Okay, um, can you guys can, can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay, so one of the fundamental thing in the spot market that is when market goes on the bear uh, bear uh, market, people in the spot exchange would have to just wait. Okay, to wait for market to hit down to the bottom, then I buy and hoping that you go up again. Okay, there is no function of shorting other than margin trade. Margin trade is also in the spot exchanges uh, categories. But the problem with the margin trade is that it opens uh, um, leverage that will extend users' risk if you are betting in the wrong direction. Second thing is, yes, you're using margin trade, and what if I don't open our leverage? Sorry, then maybe 70% of your funds you can only shop. 30% we have to sit there as, a, as a, this one, um, the, the initial margin. Right, that means it discount your cash efficiency by thirty percent. So what we did is that though it, it is margin trade category concept, but we make it full amount one hundred percent. Okay, so the concept is lay is leverage by one x one x means no leverage, but the concept is one x, right? And we give you full amounts. Say for, for example, the ten thousand rupees you want to short ten thousand rupees, you short full ten thousand. Okay, so. That enables us to provide that kind of uh, the trade efficiency that we're talking about. Okay, at the same time, we protect user not to make an extra thing, a casino. And the second thing is the great trade, which we just launched like recently. 
Okay, so great trade, great trade is not 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 a not a not a new thing. But why we think great trade is important? Because um, all the finger traders, because we're not talking for pro traders, right? So um, like uh, up till now, the crypto population is maybe just five percent uh, across the world. The ninety five percent who hasn't come in, who hasn't get into the crypto is our is our, our, our TA. We want to onboard them. We want to make ourselves the best exchange for them. Okay, to 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 purchase their first uh, crypto and to stay in XRX. So greed trading is something uh, every finger trader will have experienced. Like uh, oh, you wish you could have uh, just a bot. Okay, you wish you had you, you just know how to write this uh, um this uh, API. Okay, you, you wish you know how to do quant trade. Okay, then you can have the bot have a program that automated your strategy. So we make a greed trade as our first approach in this kind of product. And what's special about X-ray is great trade. Right now, we just have a loan. Because again, we are limited to the spot market, only limited to the spot market. So any spot market cannot provide you short greed. Right now, we have only, only have long. Okay, but very soon, we're going to introduce a greed on spot, which is short and neutral three strategy. That's something that's really new. Okay, nobody is having it. If you ever see anybody who can short on the greed, okay, that will only be in derivatives market or the margins market. But X-rays we introduce this kind of product, so this is kind of like a unique features like uh, X-rays we introduce. We will stay in the spot. We always look in the interest of the customer, meaning that a lot of exchanges now are crooked. I would say that right, it's spoiled. Okay, why? Their interest and users' interest is now against each other. They are actually hoping users lose money so they can earn money. That's wrong. That's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. So any product that we, 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 we introduce, any function we introduce, fundamental concept is our interest and usage is in, is in line. It's aligned. It's in the same direction. Yeah. Another innovation, I would say, is on the legal side. Um, we started exchange roughly five years ago. And at that time, we realized that uh, we just, because we want to service newbies, we want to make ourselves the most newbie-friendly crypto exchange. We just need fiat on-off-ramps, really robust, good fiat on-off-ramps. So we need to work with very good U.S. dollar banks um, and maybe banks that support other currencies, right? So how do we do that uh, five years ago? So we just said, okay, look, uh, we will start something in DeFi later. But XRX got to be fully licensed and regulated. And the easiest way to do that is to invite all the, you know, established financial institutions to invest in us. And since we're doing that, why don't we just go knock on Taiwan government's door and, and say, hey, you know, government, um, you have a fund that you directly operate. We'd like you to invest in us. We're going to start an exchange um, and want, we want you on our board. We made all of these happen. And so today we have very robust um, U.S. dollar honor frames for all of our users. We use um, FDIC insured U.S. banks as well as fully regulated Taiwanese banks. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely one of the most mature project, products out there when it comes to sort of trading and um, just as an exchange and also a very safe exchange because... It just doesn't, you know, X-Rex is, is uh, extremely conservative about listing new projects and pretty much the tokens there are, for the most part, 
uh, ones that are unlikely to crash and burn uh, very easily. And so I, I, I think for somebody who's just starting and getting into crypto, it's like a, sort of a great way to uh, dip their toes in with sort of minima, minimal risk, right? Because on an exchange like, let's say, Gate, which is a great exchange, don't get me wrong, but uh, there's just so much uh, opportunities to invest in like altcoins and IDOs and those things are, are so much more volatile than, you know, maybe Solana, for example, or um, uh, X- actually XRP tends to be fairly volatile. But yeah, I mean, just sort of in general, it's a it's a fairly you know safe place to trade, which I think is um, is 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 very useful. Um, Chris, uh, in terms of uh, A to Z crypto, uh, what's what's next for you guys, and sort of what what is your focus uh, uh, going forward? Um, I think the focus for us is to really understand the users there, because as I said, most of the uh, current crypto population in India is roughly aged around 25, 26, and they hardly invest, mostly trade. trade And uh, the investing class, which is like people around 30 plus to 45, this range, uh, they don't, they, they haven't really dipped in their toes there. So uh, this is where I think an opportunity lies for us to kind of being the advisory and handholding people to invest in crypto and starting off with the basics, uh, like what is crypto, why you should invest, etc., and taking them through the whole process wherein telling them about all the risks and how you can custody it yourself and what you should do, and then, you know, bring them to the other side. <laughs> so this is where I see myself, uh, and this is what I'm going to do for the next uh, couple of years at least to see if this is something which really makes sense, because for me it really does make sense, and I have been doing it for the last two years, just not full-time. But now I'm ready to dip my toes into it. And along uh, with it, we'll have, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, podcasts, we'll have training classes, etc. We'll try to work with already established uh, stock trading schools, etc. And, you know, co-work in a way where it's mutually beneficial for everyone. Uh, awesome. Well, we are, you know, all, almost to the end. Uh, of this, well, we are at the end rather at this of, of this uh, Twitter space. So, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, uh, sort of go through and 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 give a chance for people to say some final words. The one thing I would say is Aditya, uh, you 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 sent in a request to speak. Aditya Gupta, if you can put your hand up again, um, you know, uh, give you a a chance to uh, uh, to say some words as well. But in the meantime, you know. Um, sort of huge honor to have you guys on um uh, both Wayne Winston Krish of course it's great to have uh, have you here as well um but yeah so I think uh, maybe uh, if Wayne Winston if you guys can maybe say a few words sort of, sort of in closing and then maybe we can give it to Aditya as well Thank you. well I just appreciate uh the opportunity Jason it was a lot of fun thank you everybody for uh, joining us yeah uh, India is definitely my second home and we are really looking the, into the ways like uh, to provide a good service for the Indian um, customers. Yeah, just please stay put. We for sure we introduce a lot of good stuff for and and uh, to to everyone. Thank you. Awesome, and Aditya, uh, since you since you j- jumped in late, you know if you have a few words uh, you want to share with the audience. Uh, hi, thank you, Jason. Hello, everyone. I'm Aditya from the research team. 
And I would like to say we are really passionate about what we are building. And we really believe that stable coins and the technology that we are developing with Unitas has very huge potential. And we have a really active Telegram group. Please uh, message me here or uh, go to Unitas Twitter, Telegram, join our conversation, and you will realize that how meaningful and how useful the solution can be for the emerging market and businesses. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, I think, you know, yeah, Krish, uh, would you like to add a few words uh, before we close it? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so thanks to you and thanks to the rest of my team joining in as well and also Wayne and Winston uh, for talking about different kind of stuff on how to be a safe crypto exchange. I think it's just with time, people will have the knowledge to do it. And uh, hopefully uh, we keep building and hopefully uh, A to Z crypto can also add value to all the users. Uh, thank you, everyone. And it's already quite late here, so I'll just... Zip up. Thanks. Hey, uh, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate everybody, uh, you know, taking the time out their day to to join us here. Um, thanks so much for everybody that's listening. Uh, and yeah, uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, same bad, same bad time, same bad channel. Thanks, everybody. Y'all have a great day. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Diving Into Crypto, proudly hosted by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn platform with a proof of attention model and dynamic NFT investor profiles. 